Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 242 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. In today's episode, we walk game by game through Nebraska's 2021 season and make our predictions. We also speak with 24-7 reporter Brian Christofferson and interview Clayton Anderson, Nebraska's astronaut. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals at cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rody with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know somebody who is? Reach out to Monty at 402-770-3356. Mike, it's here. I am flabbergasted. We are two weeks out. As of the recording. And it doesn't feel like it to me. Does it feel like it to you? Uh, well, I mean, we, we were kind of recording, uh, interviews like crazy last week and the week before to get caught up. So it definitely feels like it's imminent, but it does feel a little bit surreal to stop and think like we're going to be, uh, reacting to a football game in two weeks. I don't want my summer to end though. I know it's, there's this tension. There's this tension. Actually, I was at uh, Storm Chasers game here in Omaha last night. It was actually getting pretty cold in the evening. So the uh, you know the fall is knocking at our door, whether we like it or not. Yeah, I've been running earlier in the mornings, which is pretty unusual for me. And uh, it, it does. It feels a little chilly, which is nice because it's still super humid. So you're still like drenched. But, right. <laughs> but you're not dying. So this, yeah, we. I feel like... I feel like I put off talking about what I think is going to happen with the season all summer until this episode. Like people, friends ask me, so what do you think it's going to be like? And I'm like, well, we haven't recorded our preview episode. <laughs> so I just, that's funny. This is, this is the moment where I feel like we kind of lay it out, out in the line, put together our accumulated thoughts after a summer of, of deep study and analysis. <laughs> you know, what's funny Whatever. to me is I have had friends and family ask what I think about the season. And I think a lot of folks are surprised by how, I don't want to say down on the Huskers I am, but how much more tempered my expectations are. Um, But at the same time, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. I look at my win-loss prediction for the year, and I'm like, eh, I think they'll be okay with it once they hear what I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, was talking with a friend the other day, and I feel like in the spirit of some of the uh, more recent comic book movies, this first Illinois game feels like a multiverse event where, you know, it could go so many different directions. And, you know, a, 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 a blowout win sends you into one eventuality, one possible timeline. A, a squeaker of a win sets you on a different course. A narrow loss could send you spiraling and like an unexpected blowout could, you know, put us in like the depth of despair. That yeah. Actually, what, what you're saying reminds me of Frost's year one, right? All the what mm-hmm. ifs uh, surrounding that very first game that got canceled. Well, I guess 
before we get to Illinois, I got a little ahead of myself there. I did want to share that uh, SP Plus, Bill Connolly, has put out his final preseason numbers. So he puts out some early ones in February, and then he kind of looks at how recruiting shakes out and just gets a final feel for how things are going. And um, so I, I'm going to leave lean heavily on SP Plus in my comments here. And uh, just, just so you know, these preseason ranks, rankings are actually about two-thirds of the ranking is based on last year's SP rankings and then some of the adjustments he makes based on returning production. About 25% is recent recruiting rankings. So you look back a couple the last few years and if you've had, you know, a couple of top five recruiting classes, that shows that you can reload a little faster than if you've had not top five recruiting classes. And then they um, he actually factors in the last several years. So whatever your recent success or lack thereof has been, thinking if you're on a, oh, if you're no. on a little bit of a roll. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But that's only like literally 9% is the number that he gave. Or may, maybe I just did the math about what was left when you add two-thirds and one-fourth. I think that might be how I got that number. So um, to start the season off, we've got a Nebraska overall number, offensive number, and defensive number, all right? Okay. So... Just just to kind of let you know what Bill Connolly's SP Plus algorithm thinks of Nebraska, they have us at 32 overall, offensively at 46, defensively at 29, and he projects seven wins. So that's what that's what SP Plus has for us. Okay. Yeah, actually, um, that's a lot more reasonable than I expected. You know, sometimes we look at SP Plus stuff and I just get depressed, but, you know, yeah. I, I can respect that. Yeah. No, it's, um, I mean, he's consistently for the last several years, uh, had fewer wins than we've predicted (laughs) and he has been closer than you and I have. So uh, I, for one, find that encouraging and returning production being a big piece of that. Right. Is, is not insignificant. I mean, he frost got a bunch of his guys coming back. It is funny though, despite having, you know, like nine starters back on defense and, uh, a, a few decent starters back on offense, you know, all these six, seven year guys, whatever, um, we're still like bottom of the barrel in terms of returning production because everybody else has a lot of super seniors too. So, yep. All right. Well, Hey, Illinois, here's what, uh, SP plus has them at 81st in the country with a 77th ranked offense, a third ranked defense. And, uh, SP plus calls this a likely win. I also call it a likely win, Justin. <laughs> you know, we had a few conversations early on. So first, the eyes on big guys and Dustin Schuette and Jeremy Warner, like consecutive conversations. And I was real nervous about this one um, after talking to them because they do return like 20 guys. And Bielema, um brings back or brings a, to- a totally different mentality. Um, and they did they did beat us pretty soundly last year. And it was shocking. Right. Um but uh, it's it is going to be a new system. I don't care how quickly you think you flip the culture. It's a new system, and and look the the reality. You look. I just saw a highlight video of turnovers against Illinois, and you know who committed? I think four of the five turnovers. Oh no, a a, a quarterback who's no longer with the team. Right. Um. So you know, that was kind of his game, mm-hmm. and I don't. You know, I want to, I don't want to pick on a kid, <laughs> um, but you know, but the, the one thing that you could point to as what was, you know, 
what was a big reason for the loss last year is no longer a factor. So I I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So so for that reason, I have it as a win. As do I. Um, those reasons, not that reason. Those. Sure. Reasons. Sure. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah, for, for me, it just boils down to less than it being like, you know, you heard me earlier in the year saying this has to be a must win. I think that's been tempered for me a little bit. Um, I think starting off on the right foot with Illinois being a win is going to be huge for Nebraska. But uh, Bielema, year one, um, we've just seen the messes teams get themselves, in, themselves into, including ourselves, uh, culturally, when... That kind of thing happens. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit, makes me a little bit nervous that it's an away game. But, uh, yeah. you know, we travel well. Do we travel well sure. in a pandemic? I don't know. You are. Wife oh, there are you go. Going. There you go. Yeah. And uh, meeting up with a friend, too. So. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of Nebraskans there. Also, you know, talking with Richard Branch uh, just recently about Bielema, he pointed out, yeah, Bielema had some great success when he took over. At Wisconsin, but he also had like a great team that he inherited. Right. Not to you can't totally diminish everything he accomplished, but you know he started off with a great team. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him have pretty poor results at Arkansas. So he, you know, he's a tough, tough nosed competitive coach, and he is going to recruit way better than Lovey. But um, with as much trepidation as I had about this game in the past, um, I I, th- I feel it's a win. And, you know, we're talking a lot about this game right now. We're not going to talk this much about every game, but it is just so critical. It has mm-hmm. to be a win. <laughs> if this is a loss, like... Well, as far as our hopes for competing within the Big Ten, specifically Big Ten West, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. All right, Fordham. They are not ranked in SP <laughs> Plus because... They are a school. <laughs> they're a low, low divi- lower division school. Uh, SP Plus has it a likely win. I think this is kind of like a Bethune-Cookman type game where everybody plays and we we find out... You know, maybe we find out who the backup quarterback is against Illinois. Um, that would be nice. But That'd if we fun. don't, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely find out who who's number two against Fordham. Right. Maybe in the early third quarter? Maybe in the second quarter? I don't know. But I got that one as a win. Yep. As do I. Next. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Not much else to say there. Yeah. So we're headed to Buffalo. You, you and I both have 2-0. Buffalo, 2.30 p.m. kickoff here at home. Uh, they are ranked 88 overall. They have the 88th best offense, the 78, um, 78th best defense, and uh, they got a new coach. They were a pretty good team, but they lost their coach. And so they're kind of starting over. I talked to, we talked to Rachel Lindsay about them and just, uh, you know, that went from a game that I was nervous about to, uh, I, you know, I have that one as a win mm-hmm. and it, it won't be, won't be nearly as easy as Fordham. Like they're all in scholarship. Um, but it's not a big 10 game. It's it, that should be a win. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because this year is one year where we, look at the non-conference games and we actually can kind of just say all right these will these will be easy you know uh, well i don't want to say easy but you know they'll they'll be games where we can kind of just take it in stride we got a couple of games where we can kind of count on them to be wins um yeah you know like <laughs> i mean we all thought that about mcneese state and it took a miracle to win That's true. um yeah but, but you know i it's it's not like troy Right, I, I just think back to 
uh, preseason talks a couple years ago and looking at those games and just like, oh man, we're going to lose our non-conference games. And sure enough, yeah. we did lose some of them. I don't have that yeah. sense this year. Well, and you know, part of it to your point earlier, like they're, they're easier games. So uh, you also don't learn a ton about who you are as a team. And right. Uh, you know, it's in some ways it's like an opportunity for injury too. Mm. Um, so there's pros and cons. It'll be good to have, It'll be good to have games at home while it's still warm. I know it's, there'll probably be big recruiting games, um, but and yeah, you're right. We don't you don't want to overlook this one, but for the sake of keeping this podcast not too long, I think that's a win. Let's move on. <laughs> sure. Yep. Okay. To the big the big one, the big non conference game of the year, and that is at Oklahoma at an 11 a.m. time, which helped confirm to them that they wanted to leave the conference. They are. Uh, they're ranked number three in SP Plus with the number two ranked offense and number 15th ranked defense. Uh, probably shouldn't come as a surprise that SP Plus has this as a likely loss. Yeah, so pump the brakes here a little bit. They really, like, did they actually name that as a reason why they wanted to leave the conference? Uh, well, I just know that when they set the time, like, we were kind of like, oh, that sucks. And they released, like, a press release. Yeah, they and, were like, very statement. upset. Yeah, that's They're a good really point. upset about it. And so... I, you know, I think it's part of it. I don't think it's like the determining factor or anything, but it's just one more thing. Like, ah, yeah, that's why sure. we had it here. Dude, do you remember when this game, when this series of games was announced years ago? We thought to ourselves, oh my gosh, it's going to be so long till we play Oklahoma again. And here we are. Yeah. We're about a month out. Getting older. Ugh. None of us any younger. Yeah, I, uh, I don't see us winning that one. I, I think that could get. Hopefully it's not too ugly is really right. my right. my frank assessment. You know, it could. We've got a veteran defense, so hopefully that, you know, contains this really explosive offense. And um, their defense is, you know, top 15. So it's not, not top five, not top 10, but still pretty good. So hopefully our th- this Big Ten team, Frost, has really transitioned us from being an um, AAC team, I think, to being a Big Ten team. So hopefully our size and strength and Big Ten speed is more of a surprise than Oklahoma's ready for. That's that's actually a good point. I guess Nebraska is probably better equipped to play against Oklahoma right now than, say, a few years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully we we'll punch them in the face and they're like, what? That'd be I wonderful. I thought you guys stunk. <laughs> Dude, I mean, how many times has that happened to us? Like, I would love to be the one who puts the other team on their heels for once. So, yeah, you're you're turning me around. Uh, Not far enough to make this a win in my book. Yeah, no, I I consider this one a loss. (laughs) Yeah, hope you always hope it stays interesting. It'll there'll probably be a ton of people down there. Um, I'd like to get down there. Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely for me. Um, I don't even know how I'd find tickets at this point, but anyway so all right so you and i both have us finishing up the uh, non-con schedule with that illinois game at three and one yep now we uh you know we transition i want to say into the meat of the schedule but you still have a couple of games that are very winnable mm-hmm. you've got michigan state and northwestern well and and really michigan and minnesota you go from <laughs> I can just stop. I mean, all there. the okay, games are winnable, Justin. Let's talk about Michigan State before I. Okay, Michigan State. Uh, time's not set yet. It's at Michigan State. Uh, Mel Tucker's in his second year. That first year was kind of was the COVID year. I don't even think they wanted to play. 
Um, they are ranked 51 overall with the 92nd ranked offense and the 17th ranked defense. Um, SP plus has this as a relative toss up is their term. So it's like between a 40 and 50, 40 and 60% chance of us winning is where that, that kind of what that relative toss up. And you, you know what actually, uh, kind of solves the toss up for me. Hmm. This is a school where it's a relative year one for the coach. I mean, like we've talked over sure, and over yeah. and over about how last year thrown asterisk on everything. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just feel like Michigan State, just as much as anybody, just as much as us, has kind of been floundering the last few years. And this is a year where we come into it with maybe a little bit more confidence than we have, um, you know, if we were playing them last year. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this one's a win, Justin. Okay, I also think it's gonna be a win. I I do not know why. SP plus thinks so highly of them that they would be well, 51's not that high. I don't understand why it's a relative toss up. That defense must be pretty salty. I'm really hoping that our offense turns some heads. If the defense can stay the course, maybe, you know, improve like you might over a year and the special teams can make a jump because you've had a real focus on them and the offense, say half the skill position players that we've heard a lot about can be what we've hoped they would be. I'm really hoping for a big jump, and I would I would really hope this one's maybe more competitive than Illinois, but like not a close game sure. would be my hope for this one. It'd be great. Plus, it'd be good to get a win on the road. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it'll be coming off what could be a discouraging loss to OU, so, you know, a good bounce-back game on the road. A good, like, a good... Yeah, you'll learn a lot about a team by how they respond to adversity. So, you know, in, in both of our scenarios, they're losing to Oklahoma. So yeah, good, a good opportunity to come together as a team. And then we have Northwestern come to Lincoln for uh homecoming, 6 30 PM kickoff a on October 2nd game, a night game. Yeah. Justin, they are 76 overall. They have a, the 123rd best offense and the 12 best defense and sp plus calls this a likely win <laughs> that is such a discrepancy <laughs> yeah they oh they, they got a lot of people returning though right like that's the big fact you know there. the the uh the kid from in, inside on you who i talked to was so confident about northwestern winning this game like it wasn't mm. even it wasn't a doubt for him and uh so you take that in your head and then also uh, our friends from the Eyes on Big podcast, Jeffrey the Greek, had this really great Venn diagram about like Iowa, Minnesota, and I think it was or Nebraska fans. And the one thing we all have in common is mistakenly calling Northwestern a, a win in the preseason <laughs> um, because you just always overlook them. But they've got some real transition on their coaching staff with a new defensive coordinator and. They lose a really uh, efficient quarterback. They have not developed the next guy. There's no obvious next guy, I think. And they had some great. They had two like top uh, first round draft picks for maybe like the first time ever. So they wow. lose so much. Mm-hmm. And um, and that those that these games are always so close. So I just got to feel like the narrow loss last year when you factor in who they've lost and who we retained. I, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to call it a win. Do the same thing I feel like I do every year and pick this as a win. <laughs> hey, Justin, guess what? What? I also have it as a win. Okay. Well, we have not disagreed on anything yet. Yeah. Do you have well, any the, more thoughts the, on that? Yeah, the, the big thing for me is this is just an opportunity for Nebraska to finally, like, primetime game. They're playing at home. They hopefully will have some momentum at this point. Um, man, I could just see, I could see a lot of people pointing to this being a signature win where it's like, man, look at our record. We only have one loss when we're halfway through the season. Um, you know, regardless of what happens, uh, some of these meat grinder games later on in the season, uh, it's finally an opportunity for us to maybe get some positive press, some optimism, some momentum going into these tougher games. Um, yeah. I I just I have high hopes for this game. If we can make this a solid win, um, I think it bodes well for the rest of the season. Actually, great. Well, Mike, we are at the halfway point here. Both of us at five and one, and uh, the schedule is about to get a lot harder. Um, so I'm really interested to see if we start to diverge here in our picks. But first, before we get to the second half. We are going to run an interview I did with Brian Christofferson from 247 Sports earlier this week. Brian is a fount of knowledge about the Huskers and great writer. And um, we, we talked about all kinds of things. It was, it was a pretty, pretty wide-ranging conversation about, about where Nebraska's at at the halfway point in fall camp, but also just all kind of the, a lot of the current events in, in Husker football. So uh, here's that interview. We are really excited to welcome Brian Christofferson, senior writer for 247 Sports, Huskers 247, to the show. Welcome, Brian. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, no, exciting to, to have you on the show for the first time. And um, I guess I want to talk a little bit about fall camp. I, we're about halfway halfway through. Um, it's been, you know, we're coming off a tough year, a weird year. Um, what... How are things going? <laughs> Do you, in your impression, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of sunshine being pumped. That's sort of the way it is this time sure. of year. But um, I don't know. I I always say if you can't hope now, <laughs> what do you? I mean, you you should be able to to at least think things can be good. And you obviously want guys over in the program to be believing that they're on the right track and this program can compete with anybody. And I think. It's true that over in North Stadium, there's a feeling that they're better than people think they are, but they know that they have to prove it. I mean, even at Big Ten media days when Scott Frost was asked about being picked fifth in the Big Ten West, you heard him say, that's fine. I mean, that's what we've earned so far. Um, you know, you got to go show people that's not what you are. And so I like that part that they're accepting of, hey, our resume from the past is what it is. People are going to take their shots or say what they will right now, but we think inside these walls that we've got the material to, uh, to make that turn. Now, how's that going to happen? There's probably two or three big areas that have sort of been self-inflicting wounds for Husker football, special teams, turnovers, you know, uh, just sometimes erratic play in the trenches, you know, it's stuff like that, that, that they all got to have come together at the same point. And some young guys have to prove 
that last year, as weird as it was, was sort of a runway mm-hmm. into, into taking off this year. And it might be. I mean, wide receiver is a good example. We can go into positions or whatever, but wide receiver is a, a place where last year guys were trying to figure it out as they went while playing against like Ohio State and Penn State. Sometimes that's not going to go perfectly. Uh, you have to understand that. So now they've had eight months to sort of digest what they learned and try to build on it. So where are they? And, and, and they think they're in a good spot. Now they have to show it. So you mentioned how, how Frost has been pretty upfront with how we have to prove it and maybe a little, I mean, not that he was ever overconfident, but just pretty realistic in how he's talking about the team. Do you, do you feel like Husker Nation is a, as a whole is a little more cautious these days? Yeah, I do. Um, I I always hear, I sometimes will do some national things and they always, I feel like Nebraska fans get a bad rap actually as being this idea that like all Husker fans are expecting them to be, it to be 1995. You know, I don't think, I don't think that's been the, the thought process around here for a while. I do think people expect every week, their team to go out, do this, do the detail stuff at a, at a decent level and, and, you know, show that fight and that type of team that's at least bowl eligible. I don't think that's asking for too much. And, um, you know, if a Husker fan is going to say, Hey, go get me seven or eight wins. That should never be something where we're saying, how could you dare suggest that? You know, that, I mean, that, that needs to be a minimum for Husker football. So, um, and I feel like that's where most fans I talk to or hear from, and I don't know what you, what you think, but that, that seems to be where a lot of people come off on. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the impression I'm getting, too, is that just people – I think there's a cautious optimism right now, kind of reflective of what you, you're you picking up there uh, in the North Stadium. Um, uh, just, uh, just a lot of – there's just a lot riding on this first game. It really does oh, feel yeah. like – I mean, it's such a – it's a tone setter, but it's – it's a bellwether maybe for the season. And um, I, I do think, and then tell me if you agree, it sounds just hearing the players and the coaches talk like they know there's a lot riding on that. Yeah. And I like that they're not shrinking from that. Now there's that balance of understanding that. And I, we've seen this before with Nebraska teams. It, ha- it happened a lot during the Bo, the Bo Pelini, Pelini era, actually, where there'd sometimes be these games where there's sort of build up to it. And then, you felt like guys almost – they almost stressed too much. They, like, couldn't find that happy medium, um, you know, that right balance of understanding the bigness of it all but also not letting it get in the way of their play. So that's going to be the thing. Can, can they balance that on opening day? And I guess the probably the anxious part for a lot of fans is they're just going to have a lot of guys handling the football that have yeah. ever – that have either never touched it in a Husker uniform or barely touched it. I mean, if you're going through like the wide receiver spot, like Samore Toure, he's going to be a huge part of this thing. He's never, he's done stuff at another place, but never at Nebraska. Marquis Stepp has done stuff at USC, but never here. Gabe Irvin's a true freshman who was in high school a year ago, nine months ago. I mean, this is uh, you're going to be calling on these guys to go win you a big 10 football game right off the bat here. And they very well can do that. They have the talent to, but there is that worry, like our nerves going to creep in. Is there, are there going to be some just first game mistakes, you know, that, that get in the way with some of these guys. And obviously Adrian's going to have to be the leader and he's going to have to steady that ship and he's going to just have to play 
a smart football game. And if he does, I, I think Nebraska is the favorite. Yeah. It, so this is, you know, we're recording this conversation as part of our season preview show and been doing preseason conversations with different uh, beer reporters across the, the big 10, but I kind of feel like maybe this is me. Maybe this is indicative of everyone. We're just so ready to just show out, just show what we can do. And we've, it feels like we've been talking about this team for like two years now. Um, and it's time to, we just got to prove it. We just got to prove it. Um, yeah, no, that's it. And they, and I think that's known over there. I mean, and you can look at, look at the offensive line as just sort of a, a snapshot of that. They've been a group where people have heard for years, like they're almost there, they're building more depth and it's sort of been choppy and consistent. You know, it, it needs to be a group that goes out and, and takes the bull by the horns and, you know, early in that game establishes himself, you know, like a short on first down plays that you're not taking zero gains or minus plays, but you're getting four or five yards on that first series, you know, and you're sort of setting the tone. So um, yeah, people have heard a lot in the last few years. And I have to say this fan base, they've been irritated, but they've, they're still here. They're still waiting for it. They're still hopeful. And um you know, now, now they, they want to see it. They, and I get that everything we write, I always have people come back to me and say, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And I'm not going to respond to them in a, in a way of like, yeah, you know, like con- confrontational way. I get that. Of course you're going to be that way. It, it, everybody's like that around here. It's like, we've heard the same buzz phrases. Now it's go produce. And, and that's all that matters. You know, I'm, I'm struck thinking about, um, all these players that do need to develop and, and, uh, and, you know, guys who are new to the system, who are anxious to see hit the road and uh, or hit, hit the field and do well. And that is of course a huge piece of it, but another piece of where we just need to grow is in, I don't know, game management, maybe um, play. I, I'm not one to call to complain about play calling, but for example, when we, when we talked to, to someone up in, in Minnesota, uh, they're, they're just, so confused as to why we didn't try to pound it more last year when the, that team was terrible against the run. Uh-huh. And um, so there's just been things here and there where Scott is entering, uh, you know, his four, sixth year as a head coach, still young man, but you, you hope to see growth. And that's, you know, that's the type of thing where you, you hope to see growth and you can't maybe, you maybe can't capture that in off season interviews. Yeah. You don't know until they, they show that they have an identity, but I mean, the point about the Minnesota game last year is probably one of the shining examples of confusion about you've got a team that stopped nobody with the run last year and Nebraska didn't seem to want to challenge that part of the Gophers defense as much in that game. Um, so, you know, they've obviously got a great running quarterback in, in Adrian Martinez, but you don't know exactly what's behind him yet with your backups and you you need to take some wear and tear off of him in that run game without uh, taking that away from him too. I mean, he's got to be a, a running threat, but you've got to get that eye back position churning. It's got to be two or three guys. And it sounds like right now, you know, it's Marquis step young gay bourbon and uh, Sevion Morrison has sort of emerged uh, early in camp as a guy who, who might be ready to be called on. So you know, those three guys or whoever else, they, they've got to, they've got to go pound out some yards in Nebraska. And part of it's Nebraska has got to be able to 
line up and say, we're going to do it this way. We're going to give the ball to those guys. We're going to trust this front, this front group to, to move some people. And, and we're going to, we're going to kind of impose our will on, on other teams. And that's, that's sort of been a missing link that, that needs to be found and shown right away against an Illinois team that, although they beat Nebraska pretty badly last year, was not a very good football team otherwise, and has a first-year coach in, in Brett Belima that should be figuring some stuff out too. And we gave up so many goofy turnovers in that game. I just saw a highlight reel or low-light reel maybe from, from that game recently where it just showed all the turnovers. And the, the quarterback that produced most of them is not with the team anymore. Um, so there, I think there's every opportunity to win that game and there should have been every opportunity to win it last year too. Um, on a kind of a different topic, I think one or one th- huge theme to this season, both for Nebraska and every team is the super seniors. And that is a huge boon to this defense. Uh, you got a ton of great players back, a ton of great experience, a ton of starts, um, this is a longer term question, but how do you think there's going to, for every upside, there's a downside. And how do you think that, like, do you think there's any downside to that as far as player development for the younger guys? Um, I think there's a, a tightrope to walk for coaches across the country this year. I can give some specific examples. I mean, you got Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke back as safeties, and you're glad they're back. I mean, we're, we're looking at the picture a lot differently because they're back. But that said, you've got guys who are just as eager to get going and thought this was going to be the, probably this, the year they broke out, like Miles Farmer and Noah Pulligates. And this, this isn't saying they won't or won't be involved or there won't be an injury or anything like that. But I do think you have to find a way to keep those guys – incorporated in things and get some reps when you can. And also understanding you're still the future here. I mean, you, you, yeah. you, you, you have to have that long-term outlook that sometimes it takes another year or so more than you thought, but you can still be a, a main person for this program for two or three years. And uh, that's become very difficult that this isn't just a Nebraska thing. This is across the country. It's so tough in this day and age to convince guys who were superstars all their life, you know, like in pop Warner in high school, they were the guy. And now suddenly you got to wait two or three years. That's tough, you know, and, and you got to keep them engaged. And Greg Austin, the O-line coach said this spring, you have to recruit your own players somewhat now in this day and age, you know, you got to keep them like seeing that they're loved and that they're getting a fair look here. And you know, that, uh, that they're a big part of the plan still. That's great. Um, so we're, we're a month and a half. I'm all over the place here. We're a month and a half into name, image, and likeness. How's that manifesting from your perspective? Like, what are you seeing where you're like, Oh, that's different. I'll be honest. I, today there was some news, um, you know, like BYU, I, I saw put out something where some company was going to give walk-ons, um, you know, like tuition money. Mm-hmm. Um, the tuition is a little less there. I was looking at it. So, you know, it works out for them. So that's interesting stuff like that popping up where you're like, okay, I wonder what that's going to mean. Like how that someone pulling that lever is going to change things for other people. And you wonder if something like that can happen here. So there's that part, but I would, pro- I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm sort of underwhelmed at this point by the shakeup it's caused, or I, I don't know. I, I still feel like there's only so many people within a team 
that can that can make a lot off of it. Like, we'll see. I, I, I think it's a great deal for the kids, and I'm glad they have the opportunity. But I still think it's a small percentage of guys, your Adrian Martinez's, your Cam Taylor Britt's, uh, Jojo Doman's, those type of guys can go out and, and do a lot with it. Lexi's son with volleyball. Uh, but it's not going to be for everybody. Not everybody's going to get that opportunity. And we can just look to the pros as an example of this. I mean, there's a lot of amazing athletes in the pro ranks, but how many of them do people go out and buy their Jersey? It's still, it's mm-hmm. still a select percentage of that. And so I think we have to kind of acknowledge that that, that system and the way that works with that level probably applies to college as well. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And it, it is just so early and there was so much lack of leadership by the NCAA that, you know, maybe part of the reason it's been underwhelming is because nobody knew what was going to be allowed. And then all of a sudden it was all allowed. (laughs) And uh, so everybody's, I mean, it's, you know, I think the term wild West has been applied accurately. Uh, Everybody's just kind of making it up as they go. And yeah, so now power bar type group is protein bar business in Utah has given a bunch of 36 players like tuition money that they have. What do scholarship limits even mean anymore? It's yeah. So, I mean, there, there are, there are things like that that um, are going to pop up. So I don't want to act like we have it figured out after a couple of months. I mean, my, my, the point I just made could be, you could take a baseball bat to it maybe a year from now. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be go, go a different way. So I think it's going to be one of those things where you have to watch it sort of play out for a year or so. I do think, though, when that date first hit, there was sort of this thought like, oh, boy, everything, you know, it's just going to be up is down, down is up. And I can't say that I've seen that yet. So uh, we just got to watch it play out a little longer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I want, I'm curious if anything happens on game day, like if a player has something, I don't know on their mouthpiece or their, their yeah, eye, eye black or like build, becoming a billboard in whatever way they can. I mean, because they still have to wear like Adidas gear, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's still stuff like that. Or I'm looking for some creativity the, to, to mention it for a third time, the BYU thing. I mean, that's one of the first, it's like, wow, that's, that's very creative. I mean, I think they're going to sell some protein bars here in the coming days. Yeah. And I do think in Nebraska, um, I think the university has been wise in, in understanding Nebraska because it's sort of the big show in town. Um, you know, there aren't really competing pro franchises or anything like that. It is a good recruiting mechanism for Nebraska to highlight and say, Hey, we don't know exactly where this is going, but we're going to be prepped for it as much as we can be along the way. And you're, you would be at a place where, it's going to take off as much as anywhere just because of how much attention mm-hmm. is on that stage when you're out there as an, as a Husker. And so, yeah, they should use that to recruit as much as possible while they figure out what it all means and, and, and see where it goes. Um, and there are going to be some guys who, who do well off of it and some, some volleyball gals are going to do really well off it. They already are. And I think there could be some strange, like, you know, walk-ons or guys from small towns, you know, who they, they can have sponsorship in their towns and stuff like that, where they're a big deal. So that's cool. So to totally change gears again, I'm curious, did you listen to any of uh, Bo Pelini's interview with uh, Will Compton? 
You know, I haven't heard it yet. Um, so I don't know if I, I didn't, I didn't see anything pop out that was like it, it was stunning or anything. Did you listen to it? I've listened to most of it. It's gosh, the episode's nearly two hours long. So I've been doing it okay. in increments. I'm just kind of, I'm just struck by, first of all, he's super like mellow and, yeah. and calm, but then he has some like motivational comments about, you know, things he would teach his players. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Listen to this guy. Like, I don't know. It really just like, I was surprised at the emotion that welled up in me. Like, this is important. This guy was an important part of my life for, for what, seven years. And uh, I don't know. I'll be curious to see if there's a bow Renaissance here. Um, yeah. Well, he, he was certainly, there was a lot of debate surrounding Bo Pelini. Um, I think, you know, right now in hindsight, there's uh, there was off the field stuff that obviously contributed to why the marriage ended um, as it did. Um, but you know, his records, uh, Right now, people are looking at saying not too bad, you know. Uh, yeah. So, um, we, we've just, just, I don't know. I feel personally just the last, you know, we've done this. We, Mike and I started this podcast Riley's first year. We've covered a lot of losses. And I, it's just, uh, you can't, as someone who's reported on it, you can't come back time and time again to another like gut wrenching loss without being becoming a little like introspective, like what it, what am I looking for here? What am I? And so I don't know. It's just, I, I feel like the last six years have really caused me to think more about Bo and Frank and what, what do, maybe, a, maybe the frustrations Bo had be, were larger reflections on us as a people, as in, you know, as Nebraska. I mean, obviously he had a temper issue and that we didn't like that, I think. Um, but the record was great. And I don't know. He was just, I, I, he was very clearly proud of what he had done. And there was no like shame or anything. And I just thought it was super interesting. Anybody who's listening here who hasn't uh, yeah. listened to it, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I mean, the, the numbers now, um, he should be proud how they stand out. You know, the nine, there were nine wins every year and, and people used to make fun of that at the time, you know, it was like, Oh, it's selling for nine wins, you know, <laughs> yeah, September 4th was uh Bo Pelini day, nine and four. Yeah. Nebraska put up a nine and four this year, there would be a, you know, jumping for joy, I think. So yeah, there is some perspective that goes with that. And uh, there were flaws, but mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be with who's ever at the helm here. And this, this is a tough place to coach. I'm, it, it's because of what we were talking about earlier, because it is the show. It, yeah. Everybody wants in the business, you know, there's um, they want to know all the, every little detail what's happening over here and all that. And it, it, it can be a lot on a coach's mind because sometimes there's a lot of distractions that are beyond football yeah. that are sort of just in the air that you kind of have to deal with. And you got to somehow be able to kind of get past that all and, and not let it affect your, your, your job performance or your team's performance. Yeah, man. Maybe it's just, some, you know, I'm closer to 40 than 30 now. And maybe that maybe I'm hitting some sort of like self-reflective time in my life. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Asking, asking the deep questions about Nebraska football in my life. So, uh, so, okay. Well, Hey, Brian, this has been really fun. Uh, fun to just kind of talk through what's, what's going on in Nebraska football and uh, appreciate all the writing you're putting out. I know anytime one of your articles hits, uh, got to Got to read that. So. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll have to uh, catch up again here after we see some football games and see what what's really uh, what they really got. You know, it, 
people want to see it. I get it. We, we have a job. We write about stuff and a lot of it's going to be kind of Kool-Aid-ish because the guys are cool. They, you know, they, they, they feel it. They, they're optimistic. So you're quoting guys right. who obviously are feeling good about things and stuff like that. Um, and I always make the point too. A lot of times what we're writing about in the off season are sort of individual battles within the roster, like a guy trying to, you know, win a starting job that's been working sure. for for a couple of years. And so there is positivity that goes with that. Now, whether that means that guy can go get off a block against Wisconsin or Ohio state, that's a whole nother matter, which we got to be seen. We got to go settle now. So is your Husker two, four, seven BC on Twitter. If anybody is not following Brian, uh, where, where else can our listeners go to read your material? Yeah, they can just go to husker247.com. Um, that we'd be glad to have you. Uh, they can subscribe there, whatever they want, want to do. Uh, we, we have nonstop stuff. I think we have like five or six things already today that we've put up. So it's pretty busy usually. Lots, lots of great Husker content. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian, and uh, happy uh, coverage this season. Enjoy, enjoy it. Yeah, th- thanks for having me. You bet. Take care. Justin, I am, um, or rather, I have been browsing Reddit on our Husker Pod account. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, there's a really cool video here of everybody in Memorial Stadium chanting Go Big Red at the Garth Brooks concert. Garth Brooks yeah. concert, excuse me. Yeah. Did you get a chance to see Did- that? That's that's really neat. I have seen that. Yeah. Well, living in Lincoln here, it was, it was kind of a madhouse. I cut through downtown right after the concert was over to take a friend home and it felt like driving through traffic on game day. It sure. Was, uh, well, I mean, the stadium was, was full, so. Yeah. It was more full than it normally would be because the field was full. Oh, good point. Yeah. So but anyway, we got a few more games to talk about here, don't we? Yeah. Let's get, let's get back to it. Michigan at home. So, uh, yeah, Michigan at home, and uh, Michigan is 17th overall, 28th offensively, 10 defensively. This is one of the four relative toss-up games for SP+. What, what are you thinking about this game? Um, I have just been so unimpressed with Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. Um, to the point where I'm very surprised by their preseason ranking. Yeah, me too. On all counts, same. So as much as I think it might be foolish to make this call, okay, I like that we're playing them at home. Mm-hmm. I like that Harbaugh's on the hot seat. Um, I think this is an opportunity for the new blood. Mr. Scott Frost to make a statement about who's, uh, you know, who's wearing the big boy pants in this conference. <laughs> yeah. The big boy khakis. Yeah. Well, I guess does Frost wear khakis? I've seen him wear khakis. Does he wear khakis oh, on game know. day? No, but Harbaugh does. Yeah. Well, of course, but uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you got this as a win. I do have it as a win. I'm curious to see if this is where we diverge. So, man, I tell you what, we, it's just so hard to go through the Big Ten meat grinder and win the ones you're supposed to win and, you know, upset people who are ranked higher. I agree that Michigan is um, been less than impressive. I, you know, I think that's almost like universal. I, and I know the guys 
at the Eyes on Big pod when we talked earlier this summer, they both kind of thought this would should be a win for Nebraska. But I just <laughs> I just don't know if we can string together all the success that a consistently good team does because as positive as I am about the direction this team is going, we just have never been consistent under Frost in, in most anything. So I, I kind of want to pick it as a win, but I'm going to pick it as a loss. Okay. It is a toss-up, and Northwestern, for being you know a little school that we should always be, it's just always such a hard game, and it's, it's an emotional game usually. Um, so I feel like you maybe have a little bit of an emotional hangover there for Northwestern, which is a really ridiculous thing to say. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so we lose. I, I could also very well see the exact opposite happening. I could see us losing to Northwestern and then coming back and beating Michigan. Mm. I mm. could see, I could see, I just feel like 50% on those two games feels really sure. likely to me. So yeah, that's what out, out of the two you're expecting at least one loss. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Sure. It seems like, yeah. So, so right now you're sitting at six and one and I'm sitting at five and two. Yeah. You know, I would say I would, I would accept a loss, uh, at the hands of Harbaugh over, <laughs> over Northwestern. I, I don't know. It doesn't sting as much. You know, we don't, we haven't played Michigan as much. So yeah. Well, and frankly, Northwestern's in our division. It's mm-hmm. a more important game in that right. respect. I mean, a con- right. any conference game, matters but you know from a a tiebreaker perspective and getting that head-to-head division win that northwestern game is technically more important so i guess if you had to pick one of those two i'd pick northwestern to win to for us to beat rather okay so uh so you're six and one i'm five and two and now we go to minnesota minnesota is ranked 24 overall 14th best offense 15th best defense uh, SP plus has this as a relative toss up. It sounds like the offense is, it's just going to continue to be potent. I mean, they've got, I think the returning, uh, all conference running, running back. Uh, there was some Twitter chatter about their best wide receiver, Chris Ottman bell, uh, getting like, I don't know. We had to leave practice because of an injury just this last weekend or late last week. So, you know, that could, that could be a big thing. Who knows? Um, it's at Minnesota. I feel like Frost and you know, PJ had a, a year head start on Frost and has developed a good program. And I feel like they might not have, well, wide receiver, they've they've had better players overall. I feel like we might have overall better players, but they just are more sound than us, mm-hmm. it, it has seemed. So um, I'm, I'm actually picking this one as a loss. I, too, have considered this one a loss. Um Especially going to Minnesota, I just as as much as I disdain this team and all the times that they have frustrated us, I just I, that's one corner I don't see us turning just yet this year. Um, and honestly, I respect them a little bit more than I did when we uh, first started playing them. Um, yeah. So it, you know they they were certainly one of those teams where early on we were just like up. Oh, that's going to be an easy win. Um, I'm thinking back yeah. to when we joined the Big Ten, which is not recent anymore, but still, like yeah, well, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't easy win there. It, it took a long time for us to kind of come around and understand some of these teams. And uh, Minnesota, we can't write them off like we wanted to. So yeah, right. I, I got this one as a loss as well. And I think this is a good point to remind listeners that when we do our our weekly picks, like you have to pick Nebraska to win. So yes, when when uh when October sixteenth 
is rolling around uh, and we're prepping that preview, I mean, I will be looking much more optimistically at this game and feeling like, yeah, we definitely can win. Sure. But so then, okay. So, so now I'm five and three, you're six and two, and we have our first bye week. So gosh, yeah. Eight games in. It's a really well-timed bye week. I think we need it. And then we have the Halloween weekend hosting Purdue, uh, 52nd overall, 31st offensively, 91st defensively on their third uh their third uh, defensive coordinator in three years and uh, sp plus has this as a likely win and i don't disagree um i think uh i think the offense is you know i think one of these running backs maybe two is going to really assert themselves and we're going to be a pretty good offense that that 91st defense is not going to be stopped able to stop i think that frost really wants to make the run game a, a, a significant priority and i just don't I just don't think they can keep up, even though they're going to have probably like the 95 yard pass play like they had last year. Um, I, I see this as a win. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I also just think, you know, coming off a of bye week and um, the potential momentum and the stakes at this point in the season, um, I think there's going to be a lot of motivation for Nebraska to win this one. And I think this is finally the year where we can kind of say, you know, if we're making the progress that we expect from this team, if things go according to script, um, is this the year where we finally go back to saying Purdue is kind of just an expected win every year? I would love that. Mm -hmm. I would love that. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully that happens. All right. So I'm at six and three. You're at seven and two. And now we host uh, Ohio State. So... Another top 10 team, um, fourth overall. They have the number one offense and the 27th defense in SP+. And SP+, has this as a likely loss. And uh, I just don't I just don't see any reason why that's a win for us. Yep. Um, and we're, just not, we're just not there. We're certainly developing. Um, we will have an extremely seasoned quarterback. And... Um, you know, who, who knows what the injury situation is for us or them at this point in the season, you you could be down anybody, they could be down anybody, but just the, the depth and the talent, you know, you maybe can, maybe can out physical them for a little bit, but in the end, I, I, the talent is, is superior and, and I just don't think we win. Yep. Um, well maybe just take a moment and imagine with me. Okay. This is a game that we're playing at home. Okay. Maybe it's a night game. Uh oh. Maybe it's raining. Okay. Maybe just some stuff hits the fan and somehow we eke out a win. I mean, like. It could happen. I, I think that kind of thing might have happened in the past. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe lightning yeah. can strike biggest, twice. Biggest comeback in school history. All that said, I, I have it as a loss. <laughs> okay. Well. Yep. I like how you kind of toyed with me there. Any any anything else to add to that? No, I mean it's Ohio State. They're yeah, they're giant. They are they're talented. Rolling. They are uh, unfairly good. <laughs> yeah, and the in the college football playoff era, uh, there's apparently only incentive to go to like four school, five schools. So right, and we're not one of them. So now we have another bye week, um, which we might need after a licking by Ohio State, and uh, really tough game. We're going to Wisconsin. This will be our third top 10, according to SP Plus team. Um, they're sixth in SP Plus. Only 32nd offense. They didn't, you know, didn't have 
a Jonathan Taylor in the backfield last year, and they still don't this year, although I think they got a, a transfer from Clemson. Number two ranked defense overall, and uh, and SB Plus has this as a likely loss. You want to comment first? Um, I just don't like that it's an away game. I think we can hang with them, but... You know, as much as I was saying this is the year where perhaps we put Purdue behind us, I don't think this is a year where we start winning against Wisconsin. Um, even after the bye, I just think that that one-two punch of playing Ohio State and then Wisconsin, um, uh, I just, it's hard for me, man. Yeah, it's, um, it makes me think of, it's around the time when we uh, played at Ohio State or excuse me, at Wisconsin, almost seven years ago, uh, the day of my oldest daughter's birth was uh, when Melvin Gordon ran for 400 plus yards Ugh. late mid mid November. Not not to say that that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying like going going to Wisconsin late in the season, late in the winter, um, or you know late in the season, and it's it is winter. Uh, that you know that favors the more salty defense, and this is this is a superior defense. They've had a really good defense. There's no reason to think it doesn't continue to be great. I think the offense is without that explosive uh, Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon style running back. They're just they aren't they aren't going to blow you out quite as bad. So I think we are competitive in this one, and I think we match up well. I would have loved to have seen this game last year. Um, mm. just to, as a measuring stick. I mean, that's why you play the games, to know where you're right. at. And I think we're a lot closer. I think we play this one closer. But just, you know, just trying to be realistic here, I see this as a loss. So yeah. um, It's interesting that you say that about Wisconsin, though, because I, it, the thing that comes to mind for me with this game is I could really see this being a loss that we're just angry about. You know, a, a game that we are in towards even maybe into the fourth quarter where they just – they just got our number, man. They they still find a way to win. Um, stadium's going to be loud. They're going to shout us down. We're going to call timeouts when we shouldn't. Like I can just see all those things happening. <laughs> yeah, dang jump um, around. Gosh, can't stand yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we we're, we're getting closer, but yeah, it seems like what is this? Would this be a seven years in a row that they beat us? Well, well, they missed a year, so six wins in a row, something like that. Six it wins sucks. and one forfeit from them in a row. Right? One well, no, no contest, but we'll, we'll call it a forfeit. No, we're, so we'll for call those it keeping track, <laughs> for those keeping track at home, uh, Mike and I both had the team starting out five and one. Mike actually had them starting out six and one, um, but this back half of the schedule is brutal. And so um, at this point, I have four out of the last five games as losses, and you have three out of the last five games as losses. So we really really need to start strong this season in order to um, kind of be fortified for a, a tough back right. half. Right. Ending ending with the Black Friday game, which Sean, Sean Eichhorst tried to kill, but he never did through uh, COVID. And uh, I don't even remember the reason two years ago that it got switched around. We, we played that game anyway. Or no, it, would, it was COVID last year, and then it would have been this, this next year, but they switched it up. So Black Friday endures. Um, we play... 1230 number SP plus number 16 Iowa with the 56th ranked offense uh, but the number one defense in SP plus and uh insane SP plus calls this a relative toss-up this is such a hard game to try to predict at this point yeah like predict the last game of the season against a team that you absolutely loathe 
and be objective. Go. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've got we've been closer and closer every year to these guys. I think halfway decent special teams any of the last few years could have put this into the win column. Um, they have they're gonna have real good defense. They're gonna have real good interior line play. Um, the quarterback is just not exceptional. And you know if we make some of the progress that we've been talking about, it, we need to see it, but we have seen we have seen something special from from Adrian his freshman year and from all accounts, he's returning to form. Uh, I see this as as the year we we finally get that that W. That's it. At home, and uh, I think we do it. I got it as a win. Justin, yeah, I'm right with you. Um, this is me voting with my heart just as much as anything. But um, man, it'd be nice to see Martinez put a period at the end of that sentence and hmm. uh, walk off the field on his last game at Memorial Stadium with a win against the team that has just frustrated us. Um, for the entire time he's been with us. I'd, I'd love it. Is there a butt coming, or is that the end? No, that that's it. Like I said, no, that's you got the it period. As a win. All I right. got it as a win, All man. Right. Like I said, I'm voting right. with my heart on this one just as much as anything. So, yes, I have it as a win. Sorry that it wasn't All right. <laughs> I was just, wasn't I was clear. Just, I kept waiting. Like, it sounded like a real setup. You're like, I'd really love for this to happen. I'd really love for this to happen. But, wow, okay. So, so um, I'm at 7-5 and five with losses to OU. Uh, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and you're at eight and four with uh, wins or losses to OU, Minnesota, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. And I think this is the time in the show where I should point out the obvious. Um, you know, we might have some new listeners. Obviously, folks, if you are bristling at me making the prediction of eight and four, I get it. I get it that some people are going to laugh at that. But that's the, that's the fun of doing this episode ahead of time. We're just going through all the what ifs, all of our hopes. Um, you know, some of our expectations might be out of line with reality. But I mean, that's what is preseason football until they get their feet, you know, until their cleats are on the field and they're playing the game. It's all hypothetical anyway, right? And so um, at the end of the day, I think the only thing that this really confirms is that uh, I love the Huskers one more win than Justin. <laughs> yeah, you know, it does feel like it does feel like this season has real potential. I've been saying all summer that I felt like six and six was a real possibility, and it still could be. Oh sure. Um, I I think we go to a bowl this year. I think the bowl drought ends. Um, I would not accept anything less than six wins. Yeah. Like that that's the baseline for like. Yeah. Um, if we don't get to six wins, Frost has got a clean house, man. <laughs> he just has to. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think Frost is gone. Oh but no he way! He has to make changes. No way! Yeah, he has to make changes. So, yeah, <laughs> it was funny. I was uh, messaging with a cousin who's trying to make some plans for her, for her family at the end at the end of the semester, and she was like, "Do you think we go to a bowl? How good of a bowl?" And I was just like, "I don't know. I really just don't know. Like, I, I really want to be confident." This is the Nebraska. The, what is it? This is the Husker football. F- fan podcast i'm not an analyst yeah i don't know like yeah and plus you know in terms of quality of bowl like if we are six and six we could probably end up in a much better bowl than we deserve just because this fan base is starving to go oh gosh yeah 
which could then backfire because then we might get smoked and end up six and seven, which would stink. Yeah, and then you're gonna have people look. See Nebraska get another losing year. I'll tell you what. If anybody thinks Nebraska is not relevant, it's just shocking to me how much people love to take digs at Nebraska. Like even the Reddit college football account, who you and I have both really enjoy following, um, had a retweeted a picture from the Garth Brooks concert, and they're like, "Look, it's Nebraska celebrating uh, the hottest." act from the 90s like they should you know they just love that the 90s and you know everybody's getting their digs in it's like why are you so obsessed with me you just can't stop talking about us yep yep it's almost like when you got a crush on somebody and somebody's asking you like do you, do you like this girl and you're like no no and they're like why are you always staring at her <laughs> you know like <laughs> if you hate nebraska so much why do you why are you always staring at us why are you always interested yeah. in what's going on in Lincoln? Yeah. I think it's because you're scared. You're afraid you know what? of what Frost is going to become. Yeah. No, that's the future is bright. Continues to be bright. What they need so to do bright. is they need to get... You've got to wear shades, man. What they need to do is they need to get like a bird's eye view of the program, you know, like, or even, maybe even higher than bird's eye view. Maybe like from space. Oh. Oh. Yeah, we, we actually uh, had a conversation with somebody who has seen Memorial Stadium specifically from outer space, which is insane to say. <laughs> yeah, the, o- the only Nebraskan to be in outer space. So if you haven't guessed already or listened to the intro to the podcast, we, uh, we spoke with astronaut Clayton Anderson, uh, Ashland native and uh, two-time space traveler. Uh, about his life and about becoming an astronaut and being a Husker fan and we got his pick for the season and his his predictions and it was uh, it was a delightful conversation so uh, with that here here is astronaut Clayton Anderson we are honored to uh, welcome astronaut Clayton Anderson Nebraska's astronaut to the podcast today welcome Clay thanks for having me on it's a pleasure. So you, you know, Mike and I were talking earlier this morning. You're you're a national treasure and a state treasure as Nebraska's only astronaut. Um, but you know, we have a lot of people who who listen who may not know you, and we have people listening from outside the state. Could you tell us, uh, you know, briefly your your background, your your story on how you can't you know come from small town Nebraska to the International Space Station? Sure. I was born in Omaha, uh, raised in Ashland, Nebraska, between Omaha and Lincoln, and. Uh, Went to Ashton Greenwood High School and followed that up with a physics degree in, at Hastings College in Hastings, Nebraska. After which, uh, I went to Iowa State University to get a master's degree in aerospace engineering. And between the time at Hastings and the time at Iowa State, I was fortunate enough to learn of a NASA internship, which put me in Houston at NASA's Johnson Space Center in the summer of 1981. I would follow that up by being reapplying and being selected once again in 1982, after which they thought enough of me, the Nebraska treasurer, to uh, to be hired full-time at the Johnson Space Center in 1983, and I never left. I would work uh, 15 years as an engineer there and then become selected uh, in 1998 as an astronaut, and I did that job for 15 years, flew in space twice. 167 total days living and working in space, 152 of them on the International Space Station, 
Um, and six spacewalks to my credit to the tune of about 38 hours and 28 minutes outside. I used to be in the top 30 of the world history of cumulative spacewalk time, but all those boogers are going out, out to do spacewalks like right and left now. So I keep dropping down the list, you know, but I'm still in the top 40. Woo! That's amazing. How, how uh, was there a point where you said, I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to be an astronaut and it's going to happen and I'm going to work until it happens or. Uh, did, I don't know. Is there a moment for that? Well, there's two stories. Uh, my recollection was in 1968 when I was nine years old. and uh, Mom and dad got my brother and sister and I up and put us in front of the TV, black and white TV, by the way, uh, to watch the Apollo 8 astronauts go behind the moon for the first time. Mm. Uh, watching that, listening to that, uh, I was captivated by the idea of, of humans in space and that's when I believe that I remember uh, thinking that that would be my dream goal. Uh, my mom, Alice, would tell you if she were still around, she would have told you that uh, I was six years old and that I would talk to her. We would discuss uh, me becoming an astronaut one day. So I, I don't remember that part. I remember uh, being my mom dressed me when I was six with a hat box on my head with the opening for my eyes and a place for my neck and a pipe cleaner with a styrofoam ball to talk to aliens. And she wrapped my helmet and my whole body in aluminum foil. And I marched in a parade in Ashland uh, that summer uh, to try to win first prize, which I did not win oh. first prize. Shucks. I know my mom was, she was chapped, right? I, have, <laughs> I got outdone by a girl in a blue gingham dress with a picnic basket on her arm inside the basket was a live puppy which i think is cheating and a violation of the rules uh you know in today's society oh my gosh that's not equitable that's not that's not fair um so did you go to hastings was that uh, academic program in part to get you to space oh no um uh back then i wanted to play college sports <laughs> oh so uh I was offered a scholarship to play basketball at Midland, uh, which was not a university back then. Dana or Dana, Dana College wanted me to play football there. Of course, they're not even in existence anymore. Uh, Hastings offered me the opportunity to play football. And then they said I could play basketball if I wanted and run track. And, and you know, in those days, I was a decent athlete uh, coming out of Ashland, but uh, I would find pretty quickly that there were some better players than me. Uh, I stuck with football. I played basketball for a year. I ran track all four years and I played football all four years. That was really why, why I went there. And I had no idea what my career path would be. And uh, it turns out I got kind of pushed over into physics. Uh, did well, liked it reasonably well, but I knew I didn't want to be a physicist in a lab wearing a lab coat the rest of my life. So that was what pushed me along with the internship at NASA to go to Iowa State for aerospace engineering. When when one goes to Iowa State for aerospace engineering, is it is NASA in, in the, the hopes in the future? Is that? Uh, they were. Um, I went to Iowa State because they paid me to go there. Uh, you know, they were in the early 80s. They had a student uprising that their graduate students uh, didn't speak English. Their teaching assistants didn't speak English as well as some of the students needed. Uh, hmm. So they were looking to hire people like me to be a student and be a teaching assistant. 
uh, mm -hmm. such that I could teach the undergrads. So all that turns out, I got paid to go to school for the most part. Uh, they paid me to be a teaching assistant, which let me pay rent and tuition and all that kind of stuff. And so then, though, was when I got that first internship between Hastings yeah. College and Iowa State. And an internship at NASA was what really sealed the deal for me and said, I want to work down here. I can do this. There are astronauts here. And whether I ever become one or not, mm -hmm. I'll work with them. And, and to me, that was kind of the ultimate thing. You know, yeah, I'd love to be an astronaut, but reality says that's going to be hard to do. But if I'm down here doing cool stuff, working with astronauts, hey, that's pretty cool, too. Uh, in preparing to chat with you, I was watching a video. I, I, I heard that you applied many times to be an astronaut. Oh, okay. Fif 15 times. First, I thought you were saying six. I was like, that's not what Wikipedia was telling me. <laughs> I know. It's, I can't, it's hard to make your fingers do a 15, you know? <laughs> right, right. Maybe if I did this, five, five, five. Okay. <laughs> so what, what comes to mind for me with that is like, somewhere around attempt number 10 were you starting to get sick of it like what made you continue to con like what was it that made you say i'm going to keep applying until i get it yeah some people would say i was persistent others would say i was stupid <laughs> um i was a combination of both <laughs> i was persist stupid whatever um <laughs> the idea here though is it's easy to apply to be an astronaut Mm, okay. Relatively speaking, right? It's difficult to get selected. Mm. And that's what I tell people when we discuss the subject, right? Because that's what everybody talks about. The, oh, you applied 15 times. And the other thing, not to be disingenuous with anybody, is that uh, NASA doesn't select or didn't select astronauts every, every year during that 15-year time frame. They did it first, uh, but then Challenger happened. And then they um. went to every other year. And then mm -hmm. Columbia happened and it spread out a little more. So now it's kind of a random, <laughs> believe it or not, hey, do we need new astronauts? Well, yeah, we do. We should select some then, right? But back then it was more reg regular. So when I first became eligible in 1983, and, and again, I wasn't totally eligible because I didn't have enough years of experience. So if you have a PhD, you can apply right away. If you're a master's degree, you got to work a couple of years. Uh, before you can apply. And back then, a bachelor's degree, you had to work for longer, three years, I think, before you could apply. Today, a bachelor's degree won't even get it for you. Right. Mm. You have to have a minimum <laughs> master's degree. So, sure. so I applied in 1983, even though I was a year short of being eligible. And of course, I had no expectation of being selected, right? But I filled out all the stuff that the government required because I was applying for a government job. Um, and I would learn along the way how to enhance my application if I could. Uh, I did new things. Uh, eventually, I would get my pilot's license and I would get scuba certifi certified. But but everybody does that. So it's like you're still – I haven't set myself apart from anybody. And one of the things that helped me or two of the things that helped me was I worked at Johnson Space Center where all the astronauts were, where the selection committee would be. And the people that are on that committee are not all astronauts, right? So the better I did in my job and the better I did as a community relations person and the better I was in my uh, community, my church, uh, volunteering, you know, just doing stuff that I liked, uh, that could enhance my 
opportunity to be selected. Um, the other thing that helped was I was a college basketball referee. And, uh, you know, I'm the only astronaut in history to ever have defi- officiated the Division One college basketball. Hmm. Huh. I did three, and then I got fired. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, But I did it, right? I actually refereed Hakeem Olajuwon's little brother at UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I had another game at uh, McNeese State, and I had a third game at uh, Sam Houston State. So back then they were 1AA, but now they're Division One. So I could say I was the only astronaut to referee three Division One college basketball games. Of course, I worked the JUCO circuit in Texas and Oklahoma uh, back then and in high school as well. So I've, I've refereed some famous names, some Moses Malone's son, Calvin Murphy's son, uh, Akeem Olajuwon's two brothers, uh, and even Akeem. I helped the Rockets uh, the year they won the NBA championship the first year. Uh, I was there, one of the uh, volunteer officials to go officiate their practices and their scrimmages prior to the playoffs. Wow. Next year, when they were defending champions, they uh, had us for the preseason. Uh, so I got to ref referee at the summit with uh, a crowd of free ticket season ticket holders sitting in the bubble. And that was pretty cool. And have Akeem yell at me. And <laughs> it's, you know, that's awesome. Stories. <laughs> yeah. You uh, you mentioned uh, Challenger and Columbia, of course. Discovery and Atlantis are no longer being used as well. Um, is it is it still is it harder now to get the space for for an American? Oh, that's a good question. But it's I don't know the answer if it's harder uh, or easier. But I know it's more expensive. Um, oh, you know, you guys can fly today you can call up richard branson so richard branson at the virgin galactic and for a mere four hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can fly in space well the edge of space for <laughs> 10 minutes and they'll brand you an astronaut which i call would call you a cash astronaut hmm. um, you can do the same with uh blue origin and jeff bezos but i think you're gonna have to pony up more than four hundred fifty thousand dollars for his 10 minutes uh so I get, I take a little, uh, well, I, I don't like when people start to say that space flight is accessible for all humans, all right, but yeah. it's only accessible to all really rich humans. <laughs> yeah. Well, because we've been sending Americans up on Russian rockets now for a while, right? Yeah. So when, when Challenger, well, not Challenger necessarily, but when Columbia happened and we were sending, regularly sending crews to the International Space Station, the Soyuz rocket and the Russians stepped up and helped us get through that. Um, and as part of that, they became our secondary launch system. And some would argue we're our primary launch system for many years. Um, mm. I was one of the, the, the astronauts toward the end of the shuttle period that were designated to launch to the station only on the shuttle because we were tied or trained to the piece of hardware that was being hauled up in the shuttle that was going to be attached to the station because we were building it. Ah. Uh, so we were called Shreks. I was the second Shrek, the shuttle expedition rotating crew member or Shrek. Nice. <laughs> so we're, yeah, we're big on acronyms at NASA, you know? Yeah. So I trained to come home on a Soyuz in the event of an emergency, right? So imagine 
uh, you're going to a facility and that facility, you can come in a taxi, you can come in a rental car, you can walk, you can ride your bicycle. But once you get into that facility, if there's a fire or an emergency, you have to leave in their emergency lifeboats. So it'd be like going on a cruise, I guess. Um, and the Soyuz is your emergency lifeboat. So I trained in all aspects of Soyuz because it was all Russian and had to wear their suit. I had to read their procedures. I had to look at their switches. I had wow. to listen to him scream at me and, and chew me out in Russian right, <laughs> when I made a mistake, but I was prepared to land in a Soyuz capsule. Uh, wow. But I didn't do the launch stuff. I didn't have to. I did it on the shuttle side. So um, I called the shuttle training for me. I was a sack of potatoes, an SOP. And, <laughs> you know, they threw me on board, put me in a seat, strapped me in. And two days later, they threw me through the hatch and said, have a good life on the space station. So, <laughs> how's your Russian? Я могу говорить по-русски неплохо, потому что нам нужно практиковаться каждый день. So better than yeah. mine. <laughs> I, I just said the Huskers are going to win six games this year. I think no problem. Oh wow! I'll take it. <laughs> Love Be- it. Beating us to the transition. Oh, um, I'm sorry. No, that's perfect. We've never. I think we might have to make that use that audio clip in the future <laughs> little, for our like little. And now out. we're going to talk about projection projections. I wish um, I could say eleven, but you know. <laughs> so do you, we. You, <laughs> not there yet. You you've been a Husker fan since childhood, I imagine, growing up right. in in Nebraska. Um, I I know I've flipping through your book. I've seen some pretty cool pictures of Lincoln and the stadium from space. You took that. Yeah, I took the, my, one of my favorite pictures I called the Sea of Red, and I captured the stadium on October 26th, I think, in 2007, whatever that Saturday was, when they played Texas A&M and got their butts handed to them. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a great picture, right? You, I had a telephoto lens, so we had a, a Nikon camera, or no, Canon, Canon 760XD with a uh, 400 millimeter lens with a two time extender to make it 800. Right. So I tried to listen and watch the games. They would beam the games to me on a laptop. If we were a regional contest, which, (sighs) you know, didn't happen often back then. Uh, but that day, uh, I knew they were playing in the afternoon and I don't remember if I was listening or not. Usually I, I listened and then I could, you know, do stuff while I listened to the game. Um, but this day I, I looked at the computer we have that tells where we're flying over the earth. And I saw that we were going to fly damn near right over Lincoln. <laughs> so I set all my timers, my egg timers and stuff and put my cameras, got them ready. And then when it came time at that point in my career on the station, I was really good at knowing where Omaha and Lincoln and, you know, the target spots. When I first got up there, I had no clue, right? There's no mm-hmm. star over Lincoln and Omaha is not in bigger font. And, 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 you know, the Platte river doesn't have italicized Platte river by it. Sure. You know, so you can't find anything except that squiggly line between Iowa and Nebraska. Mm. Um, but I had everything ready and I just started firing that camera. <laughs> and uh, then I threw the uh, disc into the computer and I looked and son of a gun. There it was. You got it. And it was that's it was awesome. Clear, right? Because you're moving at five miles a second over the earth. So you, you kind of have to turn the lens slowly and gently. And and so it's a fine art and it takes a lot of luck, I think. 
Uh, these days, the cameras are way better, so you don't have to be so precise because the pixelization and all that is, is incredible. But uh, I captured that shot, and when I saw it, oh, my God, I almost wet my pants. I was so excited. Oh, wow. Because oh, you could see the field, and it was green, and you could see the sand. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, it was nice. That's incredible. So if you're up uh, in space and like we lose a really tight game, like you can't pound your fist on anything. Like what? What do you do? <laughs> your own hand? Okay. Well, actually, you can go in your sleep station and cry. If, if that. <laughs> Have you done that? <laughs> no, I wasn't. You know, it was funny. I think they played Ball State that year, and they were oh. losing late in the game. You know, and I'm thinking, Ball State? Are you kidding? That's David Letterman. They can't play football. And <laughs> but I think we ended up winning that game. So yeah. But I do know my Russian colleague, and, and I wrote this in my book, my first book, The Ordinary Spaceman: From Boyhood Dreams to Astronaut. Oleg Kotov would float down on Saturdays because he knew I loved American football. Right. So. He would fly down. I'd be watching the game. He'd say, "Clay, Clay, how's it go? How's game going?" And I'd say, "Well, it's go, it's going good so far." And he'd come down a couple hours later, and he'd look at me and go, "Clay, not so good, huh?" <laughs> so he was pretty astute. Oh no, <laughs> I was easy to read. Sure, you're you're bringing us back to many of the discussions we've had on this podcast about how it's uh it's been a while. Yeah, and that, that must have been right at the beginning of many of us getting very frustrated with the way things were going. Well, I guess, yeah, if that was 2007, that was right in the thick of it when things were starting to uh, go south, I guess. The beginning, the beginning of the end for <laughs> right. Mr. Callahan, or, or right. maybe well into the end. Callahan, how much do you think a signed, uh, flown in space signed by Coach Callahan, Nebraska hat would go for? Think I could get any buyers? You could maybe donate it somewhere. <laughs> So hey, so you said you said I wanted Justin. Sorry, you said six and six. Do you uh, do you have a specific games that you see as wins and losses to, to get into the nitty gritty here? No, I I don't. I I would really really want them to win that opener against Illinois. That's a big one. I mean, and that's that's just right. You want to get off on the right foot. If you get, don't get off on the right foot, I mean, good God, that's why we used to play the the army and that's what he used to play <laughs> all those little sisters of the poor and yeah the one double a guys you know like i think we played mcneese a few years ago and they almost beat yeah. us but but that's why they do it right is to get out of the gate fast and, and beef up those you know six and oh records prior to entering your conference so you can get a big bowl bid and all that but uh, the other game is are they still they, they're going to play oklahoma right that that is on the books we're doing yeah. it yeah so I'm a purist, right? And and the game in 1971, and you know when you go to Larry the Cable Guy's golf tournament, and at the gala, you know uh, Jerry Taggy comes up to you and says, "I'm Jerry Taggy," and I go, "I know who you are." And he goes, "Well, I know who you are." And I always <laughs> wanted to be, you know, that's like, wow, Jerry that's Taggy for God's sake, and Jeff Kenny, and and all those famous Huskers at these events. It's uh, it's an honor for me to meet them because. They were my idols when I was a kid. Uh, I used to wake up on uh, Sunday after the game, usually a big win. And the Omaha World Herald got delivered to our house. And my dad would go get the Lincoln Journal Star or whatever. I can't remember. Journal Star. There were two papers in Lincoln back then. But anyway, they always had great Husker coverage, right? And they had big, big spreads of color photos and black and white photos. 
and they put the little thing where Jeff Kinney, they put his name by him and then they'd have, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dave Remington over here. And, and, and just as a kid, I'd cut all those out. I had shoe boxes full of those for years wow. that I kept because that was so cool to me to, and I dreamed of being a Husker. Uh, I was a pretty good football player in high school, but, uh, uh, there was no scholarship coming. They asked me to walk on. Oh, really? Senior. I was a pretty good punter. I was a really good punter. And there was a kid named Gloystein. If you go back and Google it, there was Doug Gloystein played at Utica Centennial. And uh, he and I were the top two punters in the Capital Conference when we were high, in high school. And he went to Nebraska and punted for them. I don't remember how many years he did, but uh, it's pretty cool to think back to those days. But I couldn't walk on there. And of course, Hastings said, yeah, you'll come here and you play. We play a lot. And, you know, I played some, which is good. I don't know that I'd ever seen the field at, at the University, University of Nebraska, but I'd got some cool swag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you ended up going to space a few times. So yeah, it all worked. It yeah. All I think out. it worked out. Yep. <laughs> Do you have a favorite all time? Right? Yeah. Do you have a favorite all time player or game? Oh, wow. I, I'm partial to Rogier simply because, I mean, he was a great college player and he played for the Oilers for many years. And so I was in Houston when uh, Mike was in Houston. Uh, I actually got to meet, shake hands with him for the first time uh, at the Larry the Cable Guy Get Her Done golf tourney this last spring, which is really cool because I met, I met Johnny Rogers several times and he and I uh, this year ran into each other in the Houston airport. And, um, so I've met Eric Crouch, Johnny Rogers, and now uh, Mike Rogier, which is the, the trifecta of Nebraska yeah. Heisman trophies. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved them all. And, and I really loved the time back in 71, 70, 71, and 72, when they won their first national championship and they had Johnny the Jet and they had Jeff Kinney and Jerry Taggy. I loved David Hum. Um, you know, I, I actually conversed with David over Facebook, you know, and that's pretty cool where a guy like me who grew up to be an astronaut is talking to Dave Hum, who was a great college and professional quarterback. And those opportunities, I don't know I would ever have gotten had I not gone to space. So I'm blessed in that regard because as a kid, like you said, I love the Huskers. I still do. Uh, I watched the Cyclones with great interest at Iowa State since my son was a an Iowa State Cyclone football player. Uh, mm. So, so that's good. I mean, it's it's just good, and and I love college sports. Uh, professional sports are good too, but you know, college sports are the the ultimate for me. Mm. So, Clay, I am not a parent, <laughs> but uh, Justin has informed me that you've uh, you've written books for children. Yes, I have. Um, I've written two children's books. A is for astronaut, blasting through the alphabet. Uh, and then my most recent one, and look, Justin, it appears Justin has a copy. Of course, he borrowed that from his cousin, I think. But, you know, we can, we can set him up with some. Lincoln City Library. <laughs> Cheater. You got to buy one and get it autographed. I will. One just came out in 2020 called Letters from Space. And then I have a third one that's due out in early 2023 i'm being told so that's great yeah it's very so something we do on our podcast or something that we are intentional about on our podcast is just we want to make sure that we are 
relatively clean, family friendly. And so, you know, there's there's a good chance that there are some children listening to this interview right now. So um, I guess, is there anything that you'd like to say to the kids who are listening right now? Yes, I would say A is for Astra, the bravest of souls. They fly into space and assume many roles. They pilot, they spacewalk, and they even cut hair. And seeing Earth from our orbit, that will cause us to stare. So (laughs) I would also tell them that they're just like me. Hmm. I'm from Ashland, Nebraska, and I went to school there 1,850 people there. Went to a small school. I played in all sports whenever I could. I went to church every Sunday. Uh, I participated in music in high school. I was in theater. I delivered newspapers when I was eight years old and opened my first bank account by putting a $5 deposit at Farmers and Merchants National Bank in Ashland, Nebraska. I practiced basketball in a gym that was built in the 50s and wasn't even the right size. (laughs) They're just like me, and there is nothing stopping any one of these kids who are just like me from doing great things. It takes hard work. It takes a little bit of luck, and you're going to need help along the way, and that's the help you get from your parents, family, your teachers, your coaches, your your townspeople who help raise you. So... To all those kids, especially those in Nebraska, small town Nebraska, I would say there is nothing, absolutely nothing stopping you from being whatever you dream to be. That's That's great. Thank you. Thank you. That's fantastic. My pleasure. Well, folks, you can hear from Clayton Anderson anytime you want by getting on uh, Twitter.com. He's at Astro underscore Clay, where he's fairly active. And you can see all of his books there. And I'm looking at your Twitter profile right now you got all your books there in the heading and there's links to where you can buy them and learn more about clay and um gosh thank you so much for taking the time to talk to a a football fan podcast here on monday morning we appreciate you my my pleasure if they go to astroclay.com that gets them to everything pretty easily uh, kind of one-stop shopping and for social media and all that and then you know, I also have a new podcast called the making of an ordinary spaceman and and it's very family oriented and and it's very much along those lines of you're just like me. And this is how I was built. Uh, these are the people who influenced that building of the ordinary spaceman. And uh, I think it'd be a great listen for many folks with their families. That's fantastic. I will also give the shout out for AS for Astronaut. Um, I read this to my uh, six and five year old and they had a lot of questions and it, there's 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 poems and then in the margins there's a lot more details so on a couple of them when they're like well what about this what about that we could read further when they had questions and then i could go back and read further on my own so really great really great book and uh then for mike uh, letters from space there's a little less detail so he'll be able to comprehend all that okay really. sure <laughs> right right small words you know short sentences lot, lots of pictures yeah, I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll, i dig it <laughs> great great all right. Well, thank you so much, Clay, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon and, and get an autograph in some of these books. Absolutely. My pleasure. And go Big Red. Let's, uh, let's start turning it around in Lincoln, Nebraska. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. You bet, guys. Be well. Wow. Here we are. 
at the end of our season preview. There's been some twists and turns. There's been multiple interviews. I think all that's left at this point is to uh, actually play the game. we got to plug our sponsors too, Mike. Of course. They help keep the lights on. You know, which is a really good thing because if if we didn't have our sponsors, we'd have to record this uh, episode in the dark. Yeah, well, and as we've already mentioned, all of our all of our sponsors are, are back with us for another year, so we're really excited to have Central Nebraska Buffalo back with us for another year, and Monty Rody back with us for another year, and coming up it, during the season, we will have the Runza Reaction Line back. So it's back, folks. It's all it's all here thanks to uh, thanks to everybody for sticking with us and uh, we are excited to man go f- go weekly and not just like putting things out weekly but actually talking and recording weekly and actually watching Nebraska play football which yeah, is well, yeah, be the and best of course yeah that's the best, the best part of all of that <laughs> yeah yeah and this yeah, year for so. the first time in like two years I'll actually get to watch the games live yes I'm so excited gonna be wonderful. I'm excited. I... I actually said no to a potential commitment on October 2nd because I knew Nebraska was playing a night game and I wasn't going to miss that. Good for you. Mike, I I want to speaking of commitment, I want to commit to spending less time on Twitter during football games. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great interaction, but I want to be more engaged with the game. And also, when I'm watching the game with my kids, I don't want them to see me looking at my phone the whole time. Justin, I will be more than happy to take up that mantle for you because, as I was just saying, it's two years of me avoiding my phone on Saturday during the games. Yeah. I cannot wait to watch the game live and follow along on my phone. So, folks, I want to apologize ahead of time for anything that happens on Twitter during the games. Um, It's not Justin. It's my fault. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Folks, while, uh, while we're on the topic of the Runza Reaction Line, if you want to go ahead and put on speed dial 402-704-7693, that is the Runza Reaction Line for a podcast. So after every game, we're going to be tweeting that out, and we'll be sharing it in our episodes. Give us a call. Let, you know, let us know what you think. And we have free Runza combo coupons for you if you... If you give them, and also this is really exciting. The last several years, those coupons have all expired on the 31st of December. So I've always been like messaging people, use them right away, or like, are you coming back for Christmas? Because if you're not coming back for Christmas, I need to give someone else. This one, these ones are good through like 2023. So even if you live in, you know, out of state, which a lot of our callers do, um, you can hang on to that. Put that in your wallet, put it in your billfold, and uh, save it for when you come back to the good life. And the good life will be that much better when you do. Hey, also, real quick, I want to give a special shout-out to at 28scurs on Twitter for his help and support. Thanks. And thank you, dear listener. Um, whether you've been listening for all seven years of this podcast or this is your first time uh, hopping on and checking us out, um, just really appreciate all the support, all the interaction. Um it's it's been a really fun seven years, despite uh, starting with year one of Mike Riley. Um, you know, I, I think that that just speaks to the passion and the commitment of Husker fans to this program, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, how this season turns out, and hopefully we can keep building on it, keep seeing Frost turn this team around, and uh, you know, in a couple years, maybe maybe year ten. 
the the 10-year anniversary of the Husker Pod um, will finally have that national championship discussion going on all season. What do you think, Justin? I make no commitments. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I don't know if crazier things have happened in three years. It's possible. Yeah, no, I'm just more committing to not doing the podcast for three more years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I tell you what. I tell you what. It'll be it like uh, it'll be like uh, the buck around. You know, if this thing fizzles out at some point, you know, if Nebraska is headed for a national championship or even at least contending for one, we'll get the band back together. I don't think we need to be so morose here and <laughs> talk about this stuff. All right, well, folks, um, you know, if you want, just keep keep stay subscribed to this because 20 years from now, Justin and I will still be doing this. So, no question in my mind. <laughs> 20 years from now, podcasts are going to be like a thing of the past. People will be like, I want a direct line to feeling your emotions during the game. If it's not through the Oculus, I don't want to participate. <laughs> oh, Justin, it happens. Even on season previews, we get to the end of the episode and we're just like, how do we land this plane? I don't know. We've been talking for a while here. We've got a couple interviews in here. It's uh, plenty of good content. So if you had to listen to this in four sittings, we understand. It's like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I thought you could fly this plane. Fly, yes. Land, no. <laughs> I think we probably just end this thing the way we always end it. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.